Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 127 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. I personally am feeling very, very good. I'm speaking to you after just having a physiotherapy appointment and I have to say it went incredibly well. This is a planned oddments episode but I wanted to record it basically after my physiotherapy appointment this morning, which is why this episode's being released a little bit later, just because I'd know a little bit more about where I stand with my recovery and things, and that could have an impact on, you know, an oddments episode. I think it's an important aspect about where I am at the moment and how we're managing the homestead, which is, you know, a big part of what the oddments episodes are. And I've just had an incredible experience. I cannot praise the NHS staff enough that have looked after me from start to finish. And this morning, it was really quite an incredible experience. We had, or I've had, four weeks now of post-operation physiotherapy. And last week at some point, um, we basically upped my sessions to two a week because I was actually starting to move backwards. The progress I was making in my wrist and my fingers and my hand was actually really starting to decrease. And we started having some concerns and some concerns that perhaps I would never actually regain full movement. My wrist in particular was really struggling to move. Anyway, this morning I've had a quite long and quite intense physiotherapy session and Dawn, who is the physiotherapist I've been seeing, is an absolute magician and she worked with some really deep massaging around my scar tissue. The the issues I've been having have been twofold. Firstly, the tendons and everything in my wrist have to move through scar tissue, which has been kind of solidifying and freezing everything up. And secondly, I've had some mental issues, some psychiatric issues if you like around the injury and the pain and my brain has been refusing to allow my hand and my arm and my wrist to basically work properly and feel things properly and it's been accentuating falsely the pain levels in that area in ways that have been incredibly unhelpful to my recovery but we've spent some time this morning and we just sat there and we practiced some simple movement in my wrist afterwards after we'd done about 40 minutes of exercises and I could move my wrist in ways that I couldn't move it yesterday and I just burst into tears it was such an emotional moment and I was full of joy and I could see that we were getting real tangible progress and I just burst into tears in the physiotherapist's office and um, I briefly felt embarrassed and I quickly put that to one side as there was nothing to be embarrassed about but just the outpouring of joy was incredible. So I'm recording this with a huge grin on my face and I'm going home where I'm going to be meeting my stepbrother Jason who's going to be helping me do some tasks around the house and outside where I can really start catching up and and moving forward. The 
upshoot of today's session is that basically I'm supposed to not wear my splint as a matter of course. I put it on if I'm going to be doing anything really, you know, quite strenuous or, you know, relatively speaking, quite strenuous. Or if I'm going to be out and about with lots of people where I might get knocked. But generally speaking, I'm supposed to start using my hand now as much as I feel I can. So long as I'm not lifting any heavy weights or doing anything mechanical like swinging a hammer, um, I'm supposed to start using my hand as much as possible. So it's just been a great morning and I'm going home to achieve some things that I didn't know when I was going to be able to achieve with my brother-in-law. So I'm just in a great, great place right now. It's just fantastic. My my other wrist, um, which I sprained, is just a case of, you know, protecting that a bit. So I'm now wearing a splint on that side more than I'm wearing it where I had the break. But, you know, I'm really starting to see progress. It's been quite a challenging period because what we're geared up for, we're geared up for running a fairly lean operation insofar as, you know, we try and, or I try and bring in as much free feed for our animals as possible. And we kind of stock to those levels. So it means there's not a lot of slack in that portion of what we're doing. So there's no room for me to take any time off really insofar as collecting those pig feed bins, which is the heaviest job of the week. It's the job my wife can't do on her own because it's too heavy. So I've been really dependent on outside help from my brother-in-law Jason predominantly, but also other people around managing that. And that's something I think over Christmas we're going to have to take a look at because I think we need to be able to build a little bit more resilience into our systems so that we're not so thoroughly dependent on me running at 100% capacity all the time. Anyway, more on that in a bit. You can find Self-Sufficient Hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places. We have a YouTube channel, we also have our website, and now there's our Facebook page and Facebook group. Links to all of these you can find in the show notes. Come check us out. So I've got lots and lots of things to report back to you that we've been doing, even though I've been largely incapacitated and that we would normally do around this time of year. And I just have been really looking forward to sharing it with you. And I wanted to do it from a positive place, which is why I haven't brought you up to speed on a lot of these things yet. I wanted to do it when I sort of knew where I stood and I had a plan forward. So that's where we are. So as you know, I've been waiting to butcher a pig for quite some time now. For a little while, we were waiting for the temperature to be right. And then I had my injury. But it looks like I'm going to be able to be in a position to do that over the Christmas period for sure now. And I'm just incredibly happy. I've also had a couple of volunteers who want to be around. One in particular wants to be really hands on and help with it. So it looks like it's going to be a much simpler, not simpler, but a much less onerous project than it might otherwise have been. I'm certainly feeling a lot less trepidatious about it, knowing that I'm going to have an extra pair of hands. So I'm really looking forward to both doing that process, but also sharing it with you on the podcast. And I hope the there's a little bit of background noise today. I'm actually recording this in my car, not far from the hospital. So um, please forgive me if you hear the odd car drive past. It's uh, 
the nature of the beast. Unfortunately, I've I've got to do it here because once I get home, my brother-in-law is going to be waiting there for me, and I'm going to have to get on and uh, occupy his time. So uh, there's that. We've got lots of Christmas preparations underway and obviously it's December now and I'm sure everybody's in the same boat of planning their Christmas. Ours is going to be affected like everybody's by the pandemic but we are going to be having some family over so I'm going to be cooking for a reduced number this Christmas but including the children that we have and that are coming I'm still going to be cooking for about 12 so that's just two families and Our Christmas dinner is going to be as self-sufficient as we've ever had. And going forward, we've got plans for next year's to be entirely home produced. So the only thing I'll be serving at Christmas dinner that we haven't produced ourselves will be the turkey. Everything else we have produced ourselves with a couple of really, really small exceptions, namely flour So we will be using some flour to make Yorkshire puddings, but the eggs and milk will be home produced. And the same applies to the gravy. You know, the gravy, the stock and everything is going to be home produced. We will just be adding a little bit of flour to that to thicken it. But everything else on the plate will be completely home produced. And that includes the stuffing, which we're going to make from things like foraged walnuts, All the vegetables are going to be obviously homegrown, as are the potatoes. I kind of make a point of setting aside the Christmas dinner first and foremost when we're harvesting. So we grow for gluts. We do try and grow more than we're going to eat at the time and save as much of it as we can. And the first thing we do is we sort of allocate a little box in our freezer where we set aside all of our vegetables that we're going to serve on our Christmas dinner. So we've got lots of green beans in there and cabbage in there and then we're also going to be serving some fresh vegetables we're going to be serving kale we're going to be serving chard we're also going to be serving brussels sprouts and all these things are going to be harvested a day or two before just in preparation for the christmas dinner The gravy obviously will make from stocks that we've accumulated over the years, over the year rather, and also from juices from the actual cooking of the turkey. The turkey we purchase from someone who raises them locally to us. Now that brings us on to a decision we've made. Now you'll notice that I mentioned this in the last podcast. We are going to be raising our own turkeys next year. So as of next year, the only thing on our Christmas dinner that we will be using that we've purchased in a shop will be a little bit of flour and there's a chance that will change in the future but that's where we stand at the moment so we're really looking forward to that as well and obviously over the Christmas period we you know the food is a huge part of Christmas for us and we'll be serving as little treats around the house lots and lots of foraged nuts and dried fruit we've got lots of dried apple ready to have out for both our family and guests and It's a wonderful time of the year. It's a wonderful time of the year to enjoy and celebrate the harvests and to enjoy and celebrate the seasonality as well, because there's lots and lots out there, even right now, that is available not only to be grown and growing ourselves, but also to be foraged. And I've really missed out a little bit because of my mental state. I've not felt as willing to go out and about and forage, even though I was quite capable. I felt a little bit under the weather. Those of you who follow my YouTube channel will know I've been suffering from a concussion which has led to 
quite a lot of um, lethargy and I'm not going to go as far as to say depression, but I've certainly not been feeling at my best. I've not been feeling quite on top of the world and it's led me to spend a little bit more time in the house than I might otherwise have. So I've missed out on certainly a lot of the peak mushroom foraging season, but not entirely. I have managed to get out there a little bit. You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. So one of the occasions which I managed to get out there and do some foraging was actually with Adam from Gardener's Tale, who's been a regular guest on the show. And he had promised me back in the summer some raspberry plants, some raspberry canes for my garden very generously. And in return, I said, well, I will take you out foraging. So we met up and went to the new forest and we had, I think, a really good day. We found several edible species and some medicinal species. We started off with some turkey tail, which is a great medicinal mushroom for making tea with. We also found another mushroom, which I've spoke about before, the birch polypore, which is a fantastic edible mushroom that you use in the same way. But we found some fantastic edibles too. We found some edible rasulas, but really the two that stand out for me is we found some hedgehog mushrooms which are among my absolute favorites and some cauliflower fungus both of which are really high up on my list of fantastic wild edibles so that was great we managed to bring some home to save and my mushroom stock due to my lack of foraging is a little bit below where I'd like it to be so usually by now by this time of year I've got a stock of dried mushrooms which would be enough to last me right through till next September even if I don't find any more don't think I'm in that position this year I'm not worried because I will still find wild edible mushrooms every single month of the year so that will top me up and get me through but I'm not quite where I this time of year I really like to think that I've got all that I would need and anything I find from here on out is a bonus and that's not where we are but that's okay so that was a great trip to the new forest obviously we did it all covid safe and socially distanced and socially responsible and I've managed also to get those raspberry canes planted in one of my perennial beds and that perennial bed in particular has been somewhere I've been wanting for raspberries for quite some time and that perennial bed now I think is sort of complete so in that bed we've got our grapevine at the back and the raspberry plants just in front and then on the other side of the bed we've got a large asparagus patch and just in front of that we've got some wormwood which is a a shrub that we use to basically allow our animals to self-medicate. We cut it, it's a vigorous grower once it's established, and we give that plant to our chickens and goats and other animals, and they will effectively self-medicate. It's a natural dewormer for our animals, so that's what grows there. And then 
Dissecting the two beds, running down the middle, we've got globe artichokes, and then at the back, some goji berries. So that's that perennial bed, sort of complete, if you like. It's separated from our other small perennial bed, which just has strawberries in it, by our polytunnel. So that's a super productive area, and I'm just a huge fan of edible perennials, as you will know, because they're just a gift that keeps giving. You know, next year is going to be our first full harvest of that asparagus bed, and it's going to be a significant harvest. And I don't think I've looked forward to harvesting anything as much as I'm looking forward to next year's asparagus harvest. But it does give us something to do right now. And it's something I'm hoping I'm going to get done today while I've got Jason to help me. At this time of year, what you want to do if you haven't already done it is basically cut your asparagus ferns back down to the ground, just a few inches above the ground, and mulch them. So hopefully I'm going to get that done today because the bit I need help with is actually just loading up the compost mulch from the pile it's in at the moment so that I can move it and then possibly some help moving the wheelbarrow. The other thing we're doing today is the same, but with our runner beans. Now I've got some runner bean varieties and there are several to choose from, which will quite happily perennialize. And we're going to do the same thing. What we're going to do in order to achieve that is just cut the plants just a few inches above the ground. And then again, heavily mulch them. And that mulching is really important, particularly because this is the first year of these plants. So there's a reasonable risk that all those roots will die when we get our really hard frosts in January and February, if we get really hard frosts. But by adding a good thick layer, I'm talking six inches or so of mulch over the top, what's going to happen is those roots are effectively going to be much deeper. They're going to be half a foot deeper in the ground effectively than they would otherwise be and that's really going to protect them from that deeper penetrating damp frost so this is a bit of an experiment but it's an experiment i'm very very confident in i've heard lots of people who have tried it not least of which liz zorab who was a guest on the show talking about exactly this subject so i'm extremely confident that i'm going to be perennializing those runner beans and the advantage of doing that is the growth is going to be much more vigorous next year and rather than just having one shoot come up per plant per root system if you like there's going to be several i'm expecting anywhere between sort of four and eight per plant so if that all goes well i will never need to plant runner beans again but as always i will be reporting back to you on that as we go it's really easy for you to get in touch with us you can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message. You can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook, where we have the Self-Sufficient Hub group and the Self-Sufficient Hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. The astute amongst you will have noticed that over the last couple of weeks, there has not been an interview on Wednesday. There's been no Wednesday interview podcast. There's still been the podcast, but it's just been a solo episode like the rest. And there is a reason for that. The reason for that I'm going to get into shortly. But first, I just wanted to say that I do have some amazing interview guests lined up for the future. 
One of which is a chap called Rory McPhee, and he is in the process of developing a restorative forest in Scotland. And he also has a history of working with seaweed. So I've got him lined up for two separate podcasts. One, we're going to be talking about seaweed, both the uses of it and also how you forage for it. And I think that is going to be an exceptional podcast. It's one that I'm going to suggest in advance that is highly recommended. So please don't miss out on that one. And the second one is going to be talking about his restorative forest. And it's from a Far Eastern tradition, really, in its... I suppose you would call it ancestry. There's a lot of history in places like Korea of using forests as both preventative and restorative for our own health. And he's doing lots and lots of scientific research, but also actual already holding classes in using his forest for that reason. And I think I'm not really best placed to talk about it in any more depth, but I think You'll be fascinated to hear him speak on the subject once that's happened. We're also going to be bringing you podcasts about plant propagation, about tip layering and air layering and all the ways we can propagate plants in another interview with an expert. And that is going to be Adam again from Gardener's Tale. And I've got another podcast guest lined up to talk to you all about another method which the name escapes me now but it's all about using basically the microorganisms from established forests and just bringing a tiny amount of that home and using them as a culture on your plants and the ridiculously incredible results that ensue and when I say these results are ridiculously incredible I mean I I really cannot overstate the sort of results that have been mentioned to me. Now, I haven't done my own research on this as yet, but I certainly will. But I'm very, very excited to bring this to you as an idea and as something that we can all do really, really easily at home. Now, the reason that there's been fewer interviews and that, well, for the last two weeks, basically, they've been missed is because... One of the, the canary in the coal mine, if you like, for my own mental health, for my own mental well-being, is my ability to interact with people outside my household. And it is the first thing to kind of shut down. And I have not been on Facebook for a couple of weeks. And I haven't made strives to connect with people in any way. I've delayed and found it very difficult to reply to even messenger messages on my phone and WhatsApp messages and emails. And this is, as I say, the canary in the coal mine for my mental health issues. And when I start seeing this, it's a sign that there is possible depression on the horizon and quite a deep and prolonged one in the past, possibly. And I think I've warded off that and I'm on the upturn now, but it is something that I very, very much need to be aware of and keep in check. So that has led to, you know, me doing much less reaching out and making those connections and finding people to come and be a guest on the podcast. So that's been the reason and it's very much linked to my personal mental well-being and it's something that I'm acutely in touch with usually and I 
do make strides to improve and work on and monitor and nourish really and I do that through mindfulness meditations as well as when I feel it's appropriate speaking to medical professionals as a result um, you know I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to correct course and right the ship if you like and from here on out make some improvements to my own mental health. With that out the way I think it's just a couple of really small things to bring to your attention before we leave and that's just to say that you know with Christmas around the corner we've been doing some or starting some Christmas crafts with my news today that I want to be using my hand a lot more we're going to start making some Christmas reeds we're going to be foraging for things like mistletoe and uh, you know we're going to be doing that as a family my family has been incredible and my wife in particular has done so much she's really picked up the slack throughout this whole period of my convalescence and I cannot state enough how incredible she is as a human being and how my life would suffer from so much more paucity without her in it. So thank you very much Jackie for being there for me uh, throughout the last few weeks and every week that I've been with you. It's uh, It means the world to me. She doesn't listen to the podcast but I I'm putting out my feelings into the ether and, uh, you know, I urge you all to thank those who help your life become more rich and valuable because without gratefulness, it's very easy to take things for granted and we all have so much to be grateful for. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you guys next week. If you find this podcast valuable, there's several ways you can support it. The easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts. You could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online, including your social media pages. And now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. However you support the podcast, we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.